have been in, in a series uh, about a month ago. The Lord just kind of downloaded some things. And uh, we went away as a staff and, and started praying through this and, and seeing like, this begin. And it's this understanding of family, which comes out of unity and maturity. And these were the three words that, that we received. It was family, unity, maturity. And so we've been processing through that. And I just want to say, I said this last service, that I, I don't have this all figured out. I'm actually pressing into this. I feel like the Lord's giving me information, and then I'm releasing it and trying to live it uh, at the same time. And so we're all in this together. Uh, don't think that I have this figured out, and I'm just like, hey, guys, this is what you need to do. Uh, this is for me as well. We're in the midst of this process. But I believe the Lord is establishing something that he wants to do in this place where he can create a dwelling place to dwell. Uh, so it, a month ago, we talked about this shift from consumerism or from community to family, right? It was from the self-interest to actually having the interests of others in mind, putting the interests of others above our own interests. And, and it's, a, it's a mindset or a cultural change uh, that I know the Lord wants to establish, but it has not been established, and especially in the Western culture. And, and, and I would say myself and other church leaders, uh, we are to blame for this in the sense of actually creating this model. And, and then for you guys, just kind of buying into it and going, oh, I guess that's the way we do things. But this is actually not the way that the Lord wants to establish the church. It's not a consumerism church. It's not a community church. It's a family. And it's so important that we begin to understand family. And and one of our, uh, uh, on our executive team, we were in um, last Wednesday just talking about this. And so they, she brought up and she said, you know, I don't know that people understand, like, what is God's family? Uh, and I think it's really important that we, uh, because we have such dysfunctional families, right? How many, how many of you have the perfect family? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, we'll go into lion after us. We'll talk about that. <laughs> No one has, a, we don't have perfect families. I mean, we might think we do. We might portray that we do on Facebook. It might look really good. But the behind the scenes, if you get the behind the scenes, guys, we're all a mess. <laughs> and if anybody, if you look at anybody's Facebook page and you think they've got it all figured out, if you could just spend a day in their lives, you would see that Facebook page is nothing like their life. <laughs> it's this... It's so crazy how uh, our, our lives look so great uh, in the public view, but the behind-the-scenes stuff is, is messy. Uh, but in the Lord's family, in God's family, it's still messy, but when, when he's the father, everything changes. And this is what I felt like the Lord said. I just was asking him, how do I quickly explain God's family? And this is what he gave me actually this morning as I was just praying beforehand. Uh, he said, just look at 1 Corinthians 13 and replace family or replace love with family. And so I just want you to hear this as, as we, this is the understanding, the true understanding of family. So when we're talking about it, we have context for it. God's family is patient. It's kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. His family is not proud. God's family is not rude. It's not self-seeking. It is not easily, easily angered or offended. God's family keeps no record of wrong. 
His family does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts. And these are big ones, this trusting. It's so hard to trust even in a family. But this is a family that always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres, and it never fails. That's the family I want to be in. That's the one where you say, where he says, welcome home. Let's be a part of that family. Let's begin to walk into that. Let's live that lifestyle of family. Marcus last week did a phenomenal job. Uh, If you weren't here, I know a lot of the women were away at the women's retreat, which was amazing. (laughs) But I would encourage you, uh, because of these messages right now are foundational to where we're going, I would encourage you to go back, listen to that message. It's so important that you hear it. He went through First and Second, First Corinthians, Second Corinthians, and uh, I'm sorry, First Corinthians one, First Corinthians two, and First Corinthians three. There's no Third Corinthians. <laughs> like, what Bible are you in? <laughs> um, but in those three things, what he what he talked about was. First of all, this remembering the cross, that understanding that Christ is actually foolishness to those that do not believe, but, but to those who do, it is actually the power and wisdom of God. And, and this is critical. It's foundational that even as we're talking about this uh, family and the, and the maturity and the unity, that this maturity actually comes out of establishing Christ as the head and, and, and knowing that the power and the wisdom of God actually comes from Christ. There's nothing else. There's no other wisdom other than that. Second thing is that as you go into 1 Corinthians 2, really talks about the Holy Spirit and how the Spirit of God actually understands the deep thoughts of the Father. And that he's the one that reveals all truth to us. That he's the one that actually gives us the mindset of Christ. And this is a critical one. This is actually what I'm going to be going in greater, into greater detail in today. And then the third part is in 1 Corinthians 3 that there's actually a dwelling place for the Spirit of God that's being established. And this comes only through unity, and it comes only through maturity. But God desires to dwell. His Spirit desires to dwell in this place. And you say, well, the Spirit of the Lord is here. The, the, you know, the Holy Spirit is in this place. There is a difference between the Holy Spirit being in this place and when you see actually a dwelling place for the Lord established. And you see the presence of the Lord in that place. You see the glory of the Lord in that place. You see it in you saw, you see it in Chronicles when uh, Second Chronicles when uh, when the, the temple is dedicated when the when the uh, ark comes in and you see the glory of the Lord fall twice there you see it in Acts uh, where there's multiple times it's Acts two but then it, it continues where there's multiple times where literally out of this unity that's established in maturity in the Lord that there is a outpouring of the Holy Spirit that falls. Peter talks about it in Acts 2. He actually refers back to Joel 2 and says, this is, this is what is happening right now in this place. And, and as we come into this place of unity, as we truly understand family, the Lord is going to drop in this place. It's actually going to draw him into this place. And we're going to experience something that we've never experienced before. So this foundation is being established right now. And, and the critical part in this is that we cannot just push through it. And be like, okay, we talked about this, we're done, we're moving on. And, and I just felt like, no, there is, we've been talking through this I've, just with our team and saying, we have to hold in this understanding of going from community to family. 
we have to press into this and actually allow the foundation to be established. And it's, there's a curing process that has to happen and there's a depth that has to happen. I'm, you know, being a civil engineer uh, and doing development, you realize you can't just pour up a foundation. You just can't run out, uh, you know, find a piece of ground and throw a slab on there and start building. Just, it'll work. It'll look great for a few months and then the whole thing will begin to crumble. There is a process of establishing a foundation that is actually more critical than any part of the building process. The vertical part is great. It's the pretty part. It looks good. But if you don't establish the foundation, it's not going to last. And, and what we're building, what I, and this is the Lord has just been showing us this, that this is generational. And we have a mindset, in the, especially in the Western culture, even the, what we build typically, our homes, like they last about maybe 100 years if we're lucky. Uh, but what the Lord is establishing is something that is generational for the, for the next generation and the generation after that for our children and our children's children and our children's children's children. And so this is the mindset that we need to begin to have that even what the plowing that we're doing, the setting that we're doing, the establishing that we're doing in these things, in setting family is not just for us. There's a greater purpose in this and that we actually are looking more in the, in the long term than the short term. It's not like, well, we just... We're just going to build something that we get to enjoy and then we're out. Let them figure it out. That's not what this is about. The Lord is always about establishing things for the generations. Uh, actually, let me, if I could, bring up Scotty Wilson. Uh, Scotty is a close friend. He's, uh, he was uh, with Leif Hetland for a number of years. Come on up. And um, he's been with us this week. He came in Tuesday night from Australia he was half with us Tuesday night, and, uh, and then <laughs> as he's got his bearings, he's more and more with us. But Wednesday, we were, he came to our executive meeting, and, and he just had a prophetic word, and he had heard nothing. We hadn't really talked about anything, and he came in, and I just, just share what the Lord showed you for this place, which aligns completely with what I was just talking about. Well, it's good to be with you, and um, love this house, love this place. It's great to be back here. Um, yeah, so uh, we're just in worship on Wednesday morning, and uh, the Lord just showed me this picture. He showed me this, this property, this land, and uh, I saw um, in construction, uh, when they're underpinning foundations or they're, they're changing the landscape, they often ram these concrete pylons into the ground, and uh, sometimes, you know, 20, 30 feet uh, to, to really solidify what they're going to lay the foundation on. And I saw this pattern of these pylons being rammed into the ground on this property, and it was sort of in a, a circular uh, fashion. And uh, it, the, the, the pylons were, were placed, but they were, some of them were almost in the ground, and some of them were, were starting to go in, and, and it sort of looked like a staircase, uh, like a spiral staircase of these pylons. And uh, as I shared it, uh, a little bit later, the Lord just sort of unpacked it and uh, gave me this perspective that this uh, there's an underpinning or, or a, a deepening of the foundation that's being laid on this land uh, in this, for, for the next move of God that's going to happen in this region. And, and it's something that uh, it's, um, you have to have patience with it because it is actually quite a linear process. It's a logical process. There was this, this order amongst it that things are being put in one by one and established as this foundation that won't be seen in generations to come. It's, there's, there's underpinning under this building that you don't know is there that was laid years ago as a foundation. And so um, there is, the Lord is establishing this new foundation for the next move of God in this season. And it is something you have to be patient with and it is something you have to persevere with. And, uh, but but it, it, it will come to a close at a time uh, so that the building can, 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 can go. So. Cool. Thank you, Scotty.
So I was saying in the last service, he's talking about these pillars that are going down, that are driving deep, and that are part of this, like, strengthening the foundation. Um, but uh, the pillars are not the cool part of the building. No one comes in and goes, wow, those are awesome pillars that you're building. Those are so cool. Those actually get driven into the ground, and you no longer see them. But they're so critical for the building. And here's the thing. It's, it's how we build the foundation now will determine and establish how high and how strong our building's going to be. So this is where I, it's so critical that we actually allow this foundation to be established so that we can build to what the Lord wants to do in this place. Okay, so that was just a critical part of this laying, this, laying the foundation. Here we go. Um, the other thing is, is just a few weeks ago, Christy and I got up here and we spoke. And, and I want to just, I want to hit on this real quickly again uh, to make sure that we're actually setting this as well. First of all, the enemy is really, he has a strategy and here's what it is. It's to divide the family. It's to disrupt relationships with the father and it's to prevent the, the uh, advancement of the kingdom. Those are the three things that the enemy is trying to do. And his number one tactic is to use offenses to do it. We talked about it a few weeks ago. It starts in the Garden of Eden with an offense. It continues with Cain and Abel with another offense. And, And what it begins to do is it begins to divide and destroy the body of Christ. And so there's a, I'm going to actually, if you put up the, the word for offense is scandalon. Maybe. <laughs> there it is. The word for offense is scandalon, and it is a stick for bait. So it's the stick, it's the trigger mechanism for what the bait is put on, and it says it's a trigger or closing mechanism of a trap of an unsuspecting victim. It is so critical that we understand when we take the offense, what we're doing is we're actually triggering the trap, and we're getting trapped in an offense. It's not an attack of the enemy. It's a lure. It's something that has been set and we actually get lured into it. We, get, we walk into it. And it's these offenses that come. And if you'll put up the next slide that talks about this mold, this is what happens is, and this is a great acronym. This actually comes from Peter Young, Pastor Peter at Bridgeway. The Lord just gave him this revelation. And it is such a key revelation, I believe, for the body of Christ. Uh, it's the first step is this miss. Uh, misalignment, miscommunication, misunderstanding. Uh, And then out of that, so here's the thing. These things happen in our lives. We have miscommunications. We have misunderstandings. We have misalignments uh, all the way down the line, the miss, miss, miss. Out of it, there's offenses that can be taken. When something happens where I miscommunicate with my dad and uh, I get offended because I think he's talking about something else when Really, he was just trying to love me and, and do something really kind, although sometimes maybe it is. <laughs> but here's the thing. I take the offense, and then what do I do? I don't go to him and say, hey, this really hurt. What I do is I take that offense, and I come over here, and I'm like, oh, my dad, I can't believe he did this to me. This is what he did. Like, don't you, like, isn't that crazy that he would do that? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And now I've got other people on my side that actually are taking that offense with me and justifying my offense that I have. And so this is where the offense turns into the loose lips and the triangulation. I start to get other people on my side. Or it's the things left unsaid that aren't brought to the surface. It's like the underlying things that aren't happening. It's when you smell the mold. Like if you ever smelled mold, you can smell it, but you can't necessarily see it. 
That's this loose lips. That's the triangulation. It's not actually going, affecting you directly. There, there's no attack on you. Everything's happening around you. And so the offenses begin to happen. And then this is where it deceives, it divides, and it destroys. And we see it happen all the time, and especially in the body of Christ. More so than anywhere else. Go figure. But it also happens. It happens in businesses. It happens in, happens in families. Uh, this is something that if we can get this, here's the thing. When we begin to smell this, when we begin to, like when somebody comes and they're frustrated with something and they've taken an offense and they're trying to give you that offense, don't take it. Christy and I, there's times where uh, just something happened just the other day. And uh, normally I'm the one that's, uh, that needs the work. This time... Christy was actually the one that needs the work. So I didn't share this in the last service because she was here, but no, she's okay with this. <laughs> but she came to me and she was talking about something. And I realized, that especially with a spouse, I started to take offense. And I'm like, oh, and we just stopped right there. And it was so good. We just said, let's just pray right now. Let's just pray over the situation. And here's what prayer does. Prayer aligns you with the spirit, right? Prayer aligns you with the mindset of Christ and you start to pray as, in, in a sense, what the Spirit desires as you allow the Spirit. You don't just pray your mind's thoughts. You don't just pray your thoughts. But you allow the Holy Spirit in and you begin to pray that. And what it does is it begins to shift your heart. And all of a sudden, we went from that, that place of taking that offense and feeling. You could feel like you're kind of your blood boiling. Like, oh, like you don't do that to my family, you know. Uh, to know, like, oh, the Lord has to, actually wants to do this and minister this way. And it shifted everything. Within a matter of, like, three minutes, it went from, like, oh, taking that offense to, to no, no, no. We're going to love in the situation we're going to pray for, and we're going to address the situation directly on, head on. This is what we need to do as the body of Christ, and we do it in love. Just as we talked about 1 Corinthians 13, this is the family of God, and this is how we operate. This is how we need to operate. Okay. Got it? Okay. You sure you got it? <laughs> All right. Luke 17.1. Jesus says, things that cause people to take offense are bound to come. They will happen. We will have offenses come at us. It's how we handle them. And this is the thing, is we need to have the mindset of Christ. We need to have develop actually a mindset of the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God. It is when we allow the Holy Spirit into these situations, and it's not a, like, once you get it, you've got it. It doesn't work like that. It, it is actually, it's a continual process. It's that Romans 12, 2. It's, it's that constant renewing of your mind, not conforming to the, the patterns of this world, but renewing our mind constantly. And, and here's the thing is, a lot of times you think you've got it, and then boom, all of a sudden you lost it. Um, let me explain it this way. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can go to Matthew 16, and I'm just going to walk through Matthew 16 fairly quickly here. Um, but Jesus explains this multiple times here uh, as you look at it, and you see what Jesus is trying to do uh, with his disciples and explaining the mindset of, of the spirit versus the mindset of the world. And, uh, and it starts, if you jump up to Matthew 15, actually, it starts with this amazing miracle that Jesus does. 
There's 4,000 men, and so you know, you estimate probably 16 to 20,000 people with women and children that are all here that are listening to Jesus talk, and, and he's like, oh man, we got to feed these guys. And the disciples are like, oh, that's not possible. We can't afford it. And Jesus says, well, bring, bring what we have. And so they find they have the seven loaves of bread. They've got a few fish. And what does he do? He multiplies it, right? And they end up with seven baskets of bread left over. So you go from seven loaves of bread to seven baskets of bread at the end after you feed like 15,000, 20,000 people. Uh, that's a pretty cool miracle. I know we kind of go, oh, yeah, that's great. Like if we saw that miracle, we would be going, holy cow, did you see that? Oh, my gosh, that was amazing. Like I want to tell all my friends, we'll put it on Facebook, right? <laughs> did you see this? Uh, so... He does this right after that. They've got the seven baskets. They now go, they get in the boat, and Jesus says, hey, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And they go, oh, we forgot the bread. <laughs> Jesus is like, oh, Lord, <laughs> these are my disciples. <laughs> these are my 12. But I, I feel like this is us a lot of times. I, and I think we, look, we read this stuff and we go, man, these disciples, how did they not see it? But we have to put ourselves in their shoes. I believe this stuff is, this is the life that we live where we, we see the miraculous moves of God. And then literally in the next moment, we're like, oh, no, we forgot the bread. What are we going to eat? Like, did you not just see him multiply for 20,000 people? <laughs> He's like, I'm not even talking about the bread. I'm talking about a mindset. That what happens is, it's like when the yeast gets into our thoughts, it just takes a little bit. We may have the mindset of Christ, and all of a sudden, just something pops in, something gets in there, and it's that yeast that, uh, that affects everything. And so we have to be so cautious that we do not allow the things that are not of God into our lives, into our mind, that we would, we would protect our mind. It's, it's that 2 Corinthians 10.5 that talks, how does that go? <laughs> Let me just read that real quick. Second uh, Corinthians ten five says, uh, "Come on." It says, "We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up above or against the knowledge of God." So this is where everything that would try to set itself up against the knowledge of God. This is the mindset of the Holy Spirit. Everything that would set itself up, we actually have to come against it. And we have to shut it down in our lives. And it's a constant battle. So these disciples were actually, actually, this is a constant battle. Even then, as, as they're walking with Jesus, there's still that constant battle. And they're going through this. And he's like, hey, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. What he's talking about is it's the mindset of the religious spirit. And it's the mindset of the world or the political system. Those are both not of God. There's a godly mindset, and then there's these other things that we actually think are wise. It's the wisdom of the world, but it's not his wisdom. Okay, so right after that, what we see is they, they get into the region of Caesarea Philippi, and, and he's talking to his disciples, and he says, who do you say that I am? And Peter jumps in, first guy to jump in, and what does he say? He says something amazing because he's actually listening to the Spirit. He says, you are the Christ, you are the son of the living God. And Jesus replies, he said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. This was not revealed to you by man, but by my heavenly father. Like, that's pretty cool. He got it. 
But fast forward now, and this is again, this is the life that we live, I feel, is just right after that, Jesus goes and he's explaining to his disciples and he says, look, there is a, coming a time very soon here where I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to suffer. It says I'm going to suffer at the hands of the elders and the chief priests and the preachers of the law and that I will be killed and on the third day I will be resurrected. I don't think Peter actually heard that last part, but he was all caught up in the other part and what he did is he began to take an offense at that right away. This is what we do. Situation comes in, Jesus is explaining this, and what does Peter do? He's not in the mind of Christ anymore. He's actually now taking that, that wisdom of the world, and he's like, oh no, Jesus. He pulls him aside, and he goes, that will never happen to you. And this is what Jesus, this is how Jesus responds. <clears throat> this is when you don't want to be Peter. Like, Peter was just on a high. He just went to a low. <laughs> He says, Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. That's a pretty strong statement. You are an offense to me. You do not have the mind, I'm sorry, you do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. What's he saying? You don't have the mindset of the Holy Spirit any longer. Now you have the mindset of this world. And he's like, get behind me, Satan. So here we go from that mindset of, of Christ to the mindset of man. And, and the point I'm trying to make here is that we have to be so aware of this because this is the life that, we can, that, that we're in, is that if we allow those thoughts to come in that are not of him, we can quickly shift and actually have the mindset of Satan. You guys want to be in that place? Peter wasn't doing that on purpose. He thought he was doing the right thing. And, and a lot of times, I want to say this, we think when people come to us, we think, oh, I've got to give them some wisdom and understanding. And so a lot of times somebody will come to you and say, man, I've got a problem here. And you have to be so cautious about responding and giving them advice. Don't be like Job's friends that gave him advice that sounded wise, but it was the wisdom of this world and and God was not happy with them. There's a whole story behind that. But, uh, but in the same way, we have to be so cautious that when we respond to someone, that we are actually responding with the mind of the Spirit. Or don't respond at all. Don't give your advice. Because what can actually happen is you can create an offense. Just like what Peter was doing, thinking he was doing the right thing. And Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. You're a stumbling block to me that we could be like Peter and we could go, hey, don't worry, I've got you. I'll take care of things for you. I'm with you. And he's like, no, no, no. That is not the mindset of Christ. That is not the mindset of the Spirit. Got it? Okay, these are things that, just, that are so important for where we're going. This last part in here, so right after that, right after he says this, Jesus explains the mindset that we're to have. And he says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Ooh, that's not something we want to hear. <laughs> but this is what Jesus is saying, is, is that we cannot have the mind, the, the selfish things in mind, the things that we desire, we actually have to put to death our desires. 
And it's not an easy thing to do. And it's not a one-time thing that, that we do. It's a constant thing that we have to do. We have to constantly, it's like when those whack-a-mole things pop up, what do you do? You whack it. And then another one pops up and you whack it. <laughs> I feel like this is, this is the mindset that keeps popping up that if we don't see it, if, we don't, if we're not aware of it and we don't whack it, then it begins to take root in our lives. So he says, whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be if a man gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? I want to play a clip from Finger God 2 uh, as we, we're going to close here in just a minute. But this clip uh, is uh, it's actually not part of the preview. So you're going to get to see this firsthand and then hopefully you'll get to see it again in a week. But, uh, but this is a mindset uh, that is, is a phenomenal mindset. It's, it is the mindset of the Holy Spirit. And these are people that are giving their lives. Uh, they're actually, they're going for two years into this secret place uh, where they're trained up and then they buy one-way tickets with an expectation that they're probably gonna die be, from persecution uh, uh, for preaching the gospel in, in parts of the, of the world uh, where no one else will go. So anyway, why don't we play this and then I'll, we'll close things up. Are we putting him in danger or is he okay? In this place, they haven't been, like, like there's never been foreigners, five guys coming to this place. Never. You were the first one. Yeah. Maybe last one too. So why are these such a big deal? A select few are chosen for these seminaries. They are sent to a top secret building, which they never leave for two years as they are trained and built up in God's spirit and truth. When their training is done, many will buy a one-way ticket to the Middle East, knowing they will never come home again and will most likely be tortured and die at the hands of Muslim extremists. It is the greatest sacrifice they can offer but to them it's worth it to be able to take Jesus to the heart of the lion's den where very few are willing to carry him. Stay away from windows. Who was I to be invited to this? None of these people will write a book or have a podcast or be on TV shows. None of them will fill stadiums or become household names. Even now, for a movie, they must remain hidden and humble. Yet I was struck by the realization of Jesus' words when he told us that in his kingdom, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And I realized I was walking amongst some of the greatest heroes of our faith, and no one will ever know their names.
what you saw there, and they blocked out, obviously, the faces, but these are people that are, have given their lives for the body of Christ, to see the kingdom advanced in an amazing way that they, they, they understand the mindset of Christ. Now, here's the thing. Is we're not all necessarily called to do that, but it's what, what is your purpose? What is your plan? What is the God calling you to? And as we come into this place of understanding unity, of, as we come into this place of maturity and, and with a mindset of Christ, that we would all operate together in the fullness of what each person what, of the body is, is called to do, what they're designed to do, what their purpose is in life. And as we do this, as we shift that mindset, it's, it's the best thing, I guarantee you, for each of these people. They're living in the fullness of the lives that they're called to live. And there's, a, there's a, such a joy and a peace about doing it. I read this book a while ago, and I just, there's a part in here that I just want to read to you. This is Hudson Taylor. Uh, Hudson Taylor was an amazing man back from the 1800s. Uh, he founded the China Inland Mission back in the 1800s and actually is responsible for millions of lives in China coming into the kingdom. Uh, what you see here actually came out of this. Now that there are missionaries in China being trained up to go into all parts of the world, actually came out of this man right here who gave everything to go into China and establish the kingdom. But there's a part in this and this is his story. It was, it, was, it was a compilation of a number of things, but letters and journals that were taken from Hudson Taylor. But there's a point in here where he gets it. And I want to read this part, just this short section. And this is a letter that he had written. And this is what he says. It makes no sense where he places me. I'm sorry, let me start over. It makes no matter where he places me or how. This is rather for him to consider than for me. For in the easiest position, he must give me his grace. And in the most difficult, his grace is sufficient. It little matters if my, to my servant whether I send him out to buy just a few things or the most expensive articles. In either case, he looks to me for the money and brings me the purchases. So if God would place me in serious perplexity, must he not give me much guidance? In positions of great difficulty, much grace. In circumstances of great pressure and trial, much strength. Hudson Taylor, he got it. He understood that it's not about us. The Lord's the one that actually provides everything for us. Our job is to actually walk in that, that devotional obedience to the Lord. When we walk in that place, everything else begins to take its course according to the glory of God. Can you guys stand with me? There's more, but we're going to have to do that at another time. I want to do one last thing, and then I'm just going to pray over you guys uh, on, when was it? Yesterday. Uh, I was just kind of going through the message, but my version of going through the message is just kind of praying through, Lord, what are you establishing? 
And, and I just had this, it's one of those rare moments that I've had. I've had just a few over the past few years where the Lord literally just downloaded something to me. And, uh, and in those times, all I do is, I was telling Scotty about it last night, I, you, can't, you can't think about it, you can't try to process it, um, you, just, you just write. Uh, it's kind of like, it, like if you've ever looked at one of those 3D uh, pictures and you know, it takes a while and, you kind of use, and all of a sudden the 3D picture comes out and you can look at it, as soon as you blink, you lose it. And so when the Lord begins to download, sometimes like all you do is you just write and then you try to figure it out afterwards. And so, but I felt like this is for us and it was such a strong word. It hit me and I realized where things are about to shift. And so if you would do this, if you would just, just kind of close your eyes and I want you just to receive what I feel like the Lord has for us right now. And I just want to pray as I do this too, that Lord, I, I just ask that only your words would come forth from this. Lord, that only your truths and the things that you desire to be released in this time would actually come forth from this. So if there's other things, Lord, I just pray you (laughs) that they fall short, uh, that those things are dropped and your words, Lord, are released over this house in this time for such a time as this because this this is your purpose. This is your word. This is the time the time of my pleasing for my desires to be fulfilled. I have searched and found those who will seek my heart, acknowledge me and follow me. Now is my time. Are you ready? Align with me and know my heart. Love me, serve me, know me. My plan will literally unfold before your eyes as you focus your eyes, your gaze on me and my perfect will. It is time to cross the Jordan and take what I have for you. My presence is on the move. Move with me. I will carry you on eagle's wings to myself. My jealousy for you is great and my love for you is even greater. My blessings will be poured out. But remember the Lord your God. It is I who created the heavens and the earth, and it is I who give every good gift. It is I who increase your wealth and bestow earthly and heavenly blessings on you. But remember, you cannot live by bread alone, but by my every word, by my every promise, by my every command and by my son that comes only from me. You are my holy people, my treasured possession, my children. Look only to me. As my presence moves, you will move. Look only to me. Listen to my voice and follow my leading. I will wait for you as you hearken to my words of wisdom. You are about to cross the Jordan and take possession of the land I have promised you. This is a land that drinks rain from heaven. I will pour out my spirit on all people, but only those with a prepared wineskin will be able to house my presence. I am about to dwell with you. 
prepare the land, prepare the wineskin, prepare your hearts, prepare the body of Christ. Love me, love me, love me, and love my people. Feed my sheep. Walk in all my ways and hold close to me. As you do, I will dispossess nations that seem like immovable mountains, and every place you set your foot will be yours. Blow a trumpet in Zion and worship me. <coughs> Consecrate yourselves and watch as I lift you up. No one will be able to stand against you. Do not fear man or put your trust in men. I am the Lord your God, and only in me will you live and have your being. Worship me, worship me, worship me, and prepare for war. All mountains will melt like wax in my presence, for I am for you. Who can be against you? This is the time. The time is now. So, Lord, I pray that every word that comes forth, Lord, that is from you, would would settle right now in our hearts. Lord, I thank you for this word and that the part that there's a number of parts in there, but this, that this is the time of crossing the Jordan. And the Lord showed me this earlier. We've talked about this, but that, that Joshua says in that time, he says, keep your eyes on the ark. Keep your eyes on my presence. Follow that and nothing else because we've never gone this way before and we don't know where we're going. And I believe as God is moving us into this time and even as, as he says his presence is beginning to move and that we would move with his presence just as the Israelites moved when the, uh, when the pillar of fire and the, and the cloud by day, when, they, when it moved, they moved. Lord, I pray that we would move when you move. Lord, I ask that even what we've been talking about with the family, with the unity, with the maturity, with this understanding, Lord, that we would, we would set ourselves apart unto you, that we would establish this mindset of the Holy Spirit in our hearts right now. Set this in our heart right now, Father. And I ask for just your peace to be released over every person here. I ask for your wisdom to be released over every person here. I ask for your Holy Spirit mindset, the mind of Christ to be released over every person here. Lord, do what you want to do. And Lord, we thank you for your plans and your purposes that are being established. We thank you for the season of establishing the foundation. And Lord, we look with expectation and excitement for the things that you're about to do, for you're about to release as we move into the Jordan, as we move across the Jordan, into the promised land, into the things that you have for us in this next season. Guard our hearts protect us. Establish your family in our hearts. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. God bless you guys. Love you. Have an awesome week with him. And uh, 
If you do want prayer, we're gonna we'll have ministry teams, we'll have people up here just to pray for you. Uh, but have an awesome week. God bless.